Okay, Brett, you know, the last I heard about the guy, uh, Colvin was his name? Matt and Noah Matt, Colvin. Right, uh, yeah, from Chattanooga. Mm -hmm. uh, 17,700 bottles of sanitizer that they had uh, scrounged up to pretty much make a killing on. Oh, they had bought the stuff for a dollar a bottle and sometimes selling it for $70 a bottle on Amazon. Well, you know, the state of Tennessee and a lot of other states have put a cap on that and instituted their um, no price gouging law. That's exactly right. And Colvin, he was, uh, you know, we, we commented about that on the last one of the last episodes of Anglerfish. He was legal doing it. At that time. At that time. Now, not so much. But he did donate. I saw that he did donate it to a local church. Thank God he did that. Yeah. Maybe that was to, I don't know, redeem his soul or whatsoever. And I want to be clear about this. I, uh, I hammered him. I did. But what he was doing was legal. It wasn't ethical. It wasn't moral. But what he did was legal. Right. So I, at the end of the day, I may not like what he did but I can't fault the guy for doing something that's legal on that. Isn't that a little bit like Wall Street getting smaller? Yeah. 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 Okay. You know, the thing is, is that, um, you know, this, this whole ethical thing is, is the issue. Just because you can do something, should you do something, is the thing. Because when you start doing stuff that's unethical, Sometimes it's a slippery slope. Sometimes your ass starts doing stuff that's not only unethical, but illegal. And today, the reason I mentioned it like that, I posted the anglerfish on Twitter. And I got a response from this gentleman, whose name is Jay. And the response was, you know, I think it's really funny that a cyber criminal is commenting or criticizing a guy that was doing something legal, this guy who was selling hand sanitizer. So he and I started having a conversation, and I, I kind of agreed with him. I was like, you know what, it is kind of funny. It is, because what he was doing was legal. You're right. It wasn't right, but it was legal. So Jay and I kind of, this is only 72 hours ago, he and I built up a quick rapport, because it turns out that Jay has a lot in common with Brett, Jay is a bit of a fraudster. Now, he's not the high-skilled type of fraudster I was, but he's a bit of a fraudster. He's on that track. So he, um, he served time for marijuana distribution. He's engaged in gift card fraud and coupon fraud and refund fraud and reselling coronavirus-type items. Evidently, he made a quite the bankroll by going down to Lowe's, buying a box of the masks for $20, and reselling them to countless numbers of people for $150 a box. Mm. So this is Jay. So I, I got to talking to Jay on Twitter, and he, he was talking about this, and I was like, you know, would you like to come on Anglerfish and do a podcast? And he was like, you know, I don't think I would be any good. I was like, I'll tell you what, let's have a phone call. So we chatted on the phone. We have a great rapport. He's a, he's a friendly guy. He, he knows... Here's the thing. This is why I wanted him on the show. He knows he's doing wrong. He does. He has a moral compass. He just chooses to do wrong. 
Now he's not he's not committed to, to hear him say it. He's not committed any crime in at least three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and that makes three weeks and seventy two hours now. Well, you know, okay, three weeks. I'll grant you. It, at least you've started. All right. Now the reason he's not broken the law is because he evidently made quite the bank reselling coronavirus items. All right. Which he freely admits doesn't do those masks don't do a damn thing to stop you from getting the disease. It's just selling it to people who were scared. And it also helps keep you from spreading the disease to other people, but people don't get that. People don't get that. People don't get that. So we're talking to Jay, and I'm gonna tell you, Ken, I, I enjoy the guy. I do. He's uh he we did this this Anglerfish episode. He's also appearing on the online broadcast to talk about some of this gift card fraud, the coupon fraud, stuff like that. So we've got a load of questions for him over on the online broadcast as well. But you know what? I, I enjoy him. I do. I, I thoroughly enjoy talking to the guy. I think that he's on the path to find redemption. I think that that recovery, and I told him the same thing during the interview. I was like, you know, recovery is never a, a, a complete straight line you always have fallbacks and i think that you're going to continue in your crime but hopefully you'll continue to move forward until you get to the point where you're legal that's my hope whether it happens or not who knows but i enjoy him i i, I think it's a he's a pleasure to talk to i think that our listeners will enjoy listening to him i think that they'll also be kind of stunned that you know hey he is a criminal well, you know, Brett, I, I don't know what the content is until I listen to it after we record this intro. Here. That's true. You don't. So I'm looking forward to it. I, I tell you, I, I think it's one of the better shows we've got so far. Welcome to the Anglerfish Podcast, where we navigate the dark waters of our online lives. I'm your host, Brett Johnson. Season 1 of Anglerfish tells the story of my rise and fall as the original Internet Godfather and how I was able to turn from a life of crime to now being focused on protecting people from the type of person I used to be. This second season of the Anglerfish podcast dives into the deepest, darkest waters of our online lives. We'll be discussing fraud and financial cybercrime, sure, but also human trafficking, drugs, cyberbullying, fake news, extremist groups, nation-state attacks, child pornography, and more. Anglerfish believes shedding light on the darkest parts of the Internet helps us to better understand the problems and find solutions instead of living in a world of fear. Welcome to the Anglerfish Podcast. Today on the Anglerfish Podcast, I am honored to bring on Jay. Jay, I met via Twitter. I had talked about on one of the Anglerfish Podcast episodes, I had talked about this gentleman, Matt Colvin, who decided that when coronavirus spread out that he was going to go out and buy, I don't know, 20,000 bottles of hand sanitizer and then resell them. And I kind of hammered the guy. Actually, not kind of. I did hammer the guy. And Jay, Jay posted on, on Twitter, he was like a... He thought it was very funny that someone who was, was a former cyber criminal was commenting about the ethics of doing something legal. And so we started talking, and turns out that Jay and I have a lot in common. Jay, thank you so much for coming on Anglerfish. I appreciate it. 
Oh man, thanks for having me. It is an absolute honor. <laughs> no, no, let me tell you, it's 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 my <laughs> honor completely. And uh, oh man, this is great. I um, cannot believe some of the history that we've got in common. So why don't you, before we get into the Matt Colvin debate, why don't you let the audience know some of your history, who you are, and some of these things that we do have in common? Oh gosh. <laughs> well, my history pales in comparison to yours, but um, it's also quite different. It seems like half the available fraud that can be committed you did and the other half, you know, I was aware of and, you know, I perpetrated in the past. So um, I, I just thought it was interesting to, uh, you know, for us to, to come together and have a more, uh, you know, holistic uh, understanding of all the different types that are out there. No, I agree. I agree. So when we did start talking, I mean, you know, we had a conversation, a phone conversation yesterday, just to touch base before the recording, you, you've actually, you served prison time. I did, yeah. For this was back in 2010, uh, completely unrelated. It was I was growing ridiculous amounts of marijuana in <laughs> a few different houses, and um, I was just absolutely out of control. Okay, and, so I gotta ask. I gotta ask. When you say ridiculous amounts, <laughs> what were ridiculous amounts? Well, in 2010, ridiculous amounts were different than it is now. I mean, now sure. it's ubiquitous, but then it was. You know, you could come in. I had a was renting a for forty five hundred square foot house with a with a big kitchen, and you could walk into the kitchen, and all the cabinets were filled with jars. <laughs> it was a huge basement, um, and one house. I, I um, I don't know. I'd say maybe two thousand plants. It was quite. It's quite an operation, sure. um, especially for one for one person. No, absolutely. So so, and let me ask because when I was. Before I got involved in cybercrime, I was involved in, in marijuana, not inside uh, growing, but outside. Um, and it, it failed miserably because it was with my stepfather and my mother, and they, they just didn't know what the hell they were doing. Uh, mm -hmm. The gentleman they had hooked, on, hooked up with, his name was Dan White. He was in eastern Kentucky. And the way that they found him, my stepfather was logging. I was on the, on the job with him, and we trammed a dozer into the middle of a pot patch. And he stops immediately. We're looking around like, oh, shit. And out of the woods comes this old guy, long white beard and everything else. And he starts talking to us. And he's like, hey, uh, how you guys doing? And my stepfather, Jimmy, he was like, oh, we're doing pretty good. How are you? And Dan's like, oh, I'm pretty good. Uh, say, do you see anything right now? And Jimmy looks at him. He's like, man, I don't see a damn thing. <laughs> and uh, Dan looked at him. He's like, that's a good answer. Why don't you uh, come down, visit me when you get through working today? And uh, so we went down there and Dan and Jimmy and my mom and me, we all became friends and Dan wanted us to start growing uh, at that point. And this was all outside stuff. Dan had served federal time for, for killing a, a judge and his wife. And wow. he had gotten out after 20 years and went into growing pot. He was actually hooked in with the, uh, the Breathitt County Sheriff's office. So what would happen is, is Dan would grow and each, each plant that he had yielded about a pound. So wow. he, would, he would grow these plants and the sheriff's office would put the plants in the, the trunk of the cop cars and transport them like that. And that was, that was the way the system worked at that point. But uh, the reason I, I ask you that is so, so just outside what Dan was doing, and I mean, he had huge plants, but the THC level is much smaller than it is today and things like that. Mm -hmm. So those plants were yielding a pound a piece. How much, what kind of weight do the inside plants yield? 
that's first of all a, a pound a piece is impressive i mean yeah. for outdoors it's it's not it's not that um you know uncommon especially from what people are doing today they've gotten so so good at it um right. but indoors you're not going to get a pound of plant you know you usually average a, a gram per watt is usually the average so maybe okay. a, a good yield um it there's it depends on the technique you use but a really popular one is to essentially put it into flour right after you take a cutting so you're it, it's not so much the yield per plant as it is the quantity of plants you're you're bunching into a small gotcha. area but i think it's interesting i love our judicial system that <laughs> two people and gets uh and i and and i and i get uh, arrested for growing and serve 10 percent of his sentence. Oh, I'll tell you what was crazy. Oh, that, that's great. I, yeah, Dan was, uh, like I said, he served federal time. He killed this judge and his wife, wrapped them in barbed wire, threw them in the river. So he serves 20, gets out. And um, he was on probation. Yeah. And I remember, I, to this day, I remember this story that Dan said, uh, and it was after we met him. But the probation officer comes to visit Dan at one point. And, you know, when you're on federal probation, it's all about whatever the probation officer wants to do. He, he can go in the house. He can look at whatever he wants to. You have to allow that. Mm. So Dan had just got through pull, pulling some plants and he was letting them dry out, ha had them hung up drying. And probation officer pulls up and Dan's sitting on the porch. Probation officer's talking to him and probation officer looks at Dan. And he's like, uh, you know, I need to look around. And Dan looks at him and says, today's not a good day to do that. Oh, wow. And probation officer says, well, Dan, I'm going to look around. Dan looks at him and says, well, if you look, I'm going to have to kill you today. And the probation officer looks at him and says, okay, I'll come back some other day. <laughs> Dan's uh, like, you know that's what? a good what, idea. What are you doing not having him on your podcast? Well, Dan's <laughs> dead now. Uh, so that, that was, you know, know, dude, that was 20 years ago. What's that's, that's so, what a man, what a character. I, yeah. what the, the crazy thing about, um, you just reminded me, you know, you, you asked me about this is, seems like a lifetime ago and all these memories come flooding back to me but when i i had moved into this big house this is in lynchburg virginia okay i i had i had and i've already uh served my time for it so i'm, I'm not going to get myself in trouble here sure but when i when i moved into this big it was in a neighborhood right when the market uh crashed so you have all these undeveloped um um properties and so there was just my house and a couple houses across the street and i and i I'm leaving Fredericksburg, Virginia with a huge, uh, a U-Haul full of mother plants, which are just huge, uh, mature plants you, you used to take cuttings off of. Right. So I've got my dog in the seat and, uh, you know, we're just living the American dream <laughs> U-Haul to Lynchburg with a U-Haul filled with, um, all kinds of equipment and, and, uh, and about eight mother plants. And I pull into my driveway and I look across the street and I see that my neighbors are both law enforcement officers oh gee and the woman was a um worked in the court system i forgot what exactly she did and then the um husband was on the drug task force <laughs> and and that's when i first entered uh and became aware of the term social engineer because there you we go ended up being great friends and um and uh and and kind of hit it off um had a very you know cordial relationship but when i was in the holding cell um to be sentenced the his his wife came up to me and said you know jay 
And I said, Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> and, and I'm in my orange jumpsuit and my cuffs. And uh, she's like, what are you doing? I said, well, in that house uh, across the street from you, I was, you know, growing a lot of pot and, you know, I'm, I, I got caught for it. And she said, I, you know, I always wonder what you did for a living. <laughs> I, you know, something like my mom hit the lottery and, you know, I'm just some, you know, spoiled kid. Right. Um, right. But uh, yeah, it was funny seeing her, uh, you know, talking to her through the glass. So uh, let me ask you, Jay, um, you know, I served, my sentence was seven and a half, served right at 70 months total. And, you know, it's with, with me, it was, it was a life changing experience. It was, um, the, the benefit was, is I changed, I, I changed my mindset, not really because of prison, but because of the people who, who entered into my life. Um, but there was the, the negative consequences of that. You know, it was, um, everyone that, that I knew, I had no friends, you know, they didn't want anything to do with me at all. Um, friends, family, embarrassed, everything else. What, uh, what were the consequences of, of the arrest with you and the time served? Oh my gosh, man. Um, we could speak on that subject for hours. Sure. Um, sure. Well, a little, a little backstory before I, um, when I was out um, and just running wild, I, um, I had ruined my relationship with my, uh, with my family. I hadn't talked to my grandma in forever who I was, you know, close to growing up. Um, I disowned my dad because I was anti-authority and he was in the Coast Guard and represented the government. And I was very, very uh, anti-American. I, I just hated everything, you know, the imperialism. And I was an idiot. So I, I had this philosophy and ruined my relationship with my family. When I got incarcerated, I, my dad um, ended up, um, I mean, he was brokenhearted and really was able to show his love for me. And we reconnected in jail. He ends up testifying on my behalf um, during my sentencing, coming to visit me, um, the same with my mom. And, um, and he just, he just broke me down um, by, by, um, by being, you know, one of the, you know how it is when everybody abandons you. And Absolutely. You who really loves you. And, um, so man, um, that time, um, I reconnected with my dad. Um, we ended up having a great relationship. I, my whole ideology, um, I was very, my role models were, you know, Che Guevara, um, sure. people like that. And I would, I was just completely entitled. Well, um, and, and my role models were Che, were Malcolm X, people yeah. like that as well. Yeah. 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 Malcolm <laughs> X, he, he actually still is a, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> Same but, here. Um, <laughs> By any means necessary. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the late, later in life, Malcolm X. Yeah, I read his autobiography dozens of times in, in jail. Um, I had actually, like you, man, I had completely benefited from incarceration. I was very much reformed, you know, and uh, so I got out much better than the way I came in. But my, my history is not, it's not... Um, it's not linear, you know, it's, it's a back and forth, it's nuanced. Um, and so, you know, I, I left prison like that, but, uh, you know, not much later after that, I, um, I was way worse than when I went in committing way more crimes. And um, now, now why was that? Was that simply because you didn't have any opportunities to get a job? Was that just anger? I mean, why, why did you engage in even more crime after than before you went in? I, I have not to this day, um, 
analyze that. I, that's, um, that's something I'm going to have to pay a therapist for, but I um, understand. Let, let me, uh, my, my, my experience, and I saw a few guys go through that as well is, is about two and a half years in you either get really angry or you accept responsibility. And it, it seems like there's no real middle ground there. And I, and most people just, you know, they get really angry. They, they, instead of being able to, and I think you have faced yourself in the mirror. I really do. But I, I've saw tons and tons of guys that were unable to look themselves in the mirror and say, you know what, I'm responsible for this today. Um, and it doesn't, you don't strike me as that person that, that, that wasn't able to do that. I think you are able to do that. No, no, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, um, uh, a, a huge advocate of um, owning your actions and, and um, have, there's no blaming other people for your okay. actions. I mean, you, you own it. I mean, and, and along those lines, nobody owes you anything. Right. Um, absolutely. No, I, I have no anger. I, I think I was worse when I came off because I, I felt like I was having trouble making money and sure. man, um, if he's to provide for his loved ones, should do whatever it takes to make money. Um, so. I am of that same opinion. And I, I got to tell you, you know, I, I mentioned to you yesterday, this, this thing of cognitive dissonance of um, in, improper, incorrect thought patterns. And I have lived my life by that exactly what you just said. A man will do whatever it takes to provide for his family. And that was, for me, that was the excuses that I used. You know, I did, I did it for my, for my sister, my wife, my stripper girlfriend, all these and you know i had um the this elizabeth the stripper i had uh, when it finally came out that i was a criminal she looks at me and she was like why didn't you just get a damn job mm. and honestly jay i couldn't answer that could right. not. Um, so i've got to ask you you know I, it's i think it's an unfair question but i've got to ask you that why didn't you just get a damn job no that's not unfair um that's a great question i ask myself all the time and uh, i mean I have a, I have a personality flaw that, um, I love being outside the system. Um, right. rebellious by nature. I, um, I love, man, the idea of having to ask permission to <laughs> have a day off or, and I did, don't get me wrong. I, when I got out, I, I, um, after I got out, I got a job and I had a job for a couple of years and I loved it. I worked at a church and, um, fell in love with the people there. Um, right. And, uh, and the, the pay was fine. Um, it was, it was great, but there was just something in me that was just pulling me to, uh, to, to be that rebellious, uh, person that, that I've always been. And then during my tenure there, I am working at the church by day and then coming home and tending to my plants by night. And you want to talk about cognitive dissonance or just living a, a life, uh, a dichotomous life. I mean, that was wild. Right. Did your, did your family, I mean, who knew that you were doing that? Did your family know? Did any, any of the church members know anything like that? Oh no, no. I had, I had, I, yeah. I mean, no, nobody knew I was growing. Okay. Um, nobody knew that. I, I knew when I got out, that's, that's something to keep a secret. Um, even my wife at the time didn't know. Um, that was my little secret. Um, but yeah, just having a job just didn't, it just didn't appeal to me. Um, I thought I could make more money on my own. So I ended up leaving on my own to start my own contracting business. And, um, I don't know, man, I've, I've just, I've just always kind of had that hustler's mentality. And when you have that hustler's mentality, 
it's easy to start out legit and then move into the dark side because there's more money there. Sure. It's just sure. easy. And, and, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, but it is a, for people that are messed up like us, it is a whole lot of fun. It is. I mean, yeah. I mean, I got to the point. I don't know if I ever, if I ever felt bad about it. You know, when I started stealing a lot of money, I would just, part of the justification was if I heard a really sad story, I would give people some of their money back. But, right. you know, I don't know if I ever really felt bad about it at all. Now, you know, looking back, I, I have a lot of guilt and everything. But back then, there was no guilt. Absolutely not. It was just rolling, rolling, rolling. Yeah. And that, that was a lot of it. How, how, did you get, uh, how did you get caught with the marijuana? Well, when I got out, I didn't get caught again. I right. stopped doing it. I, the, the reason I stopped was I, I, I said I didn't tell anybody. I had a partner um, because I didn't have a place. So I used their location. I, I used her house. Um, and I found out that she met a guy at a bar and brought him home and showed him. And that was the same day that my wife found out too and said, you can't have, uh, she was pregnant with my first child. She said, you can't have us and this. And gotcha. so that to me was a no brainer. I, that, that my friend is a hell of a wake up call right there. Yeah, man. I was trimming <laughs> those buds as quick as I could to dry them out. And, uh, the whole time I because for the first time in my life, I had something to lose, which was my family. Sure. Um, and uh, I was trimming those buds as quick as I could to get them hung up, dried, sold, and beat them. <laughs> <laughs> I, the whole time, I, was, I finally felt fear for the first time ever, and I was waiting for SWAT to come kick that door in. Right. Because once you tell somebody, it's just it's not worth it. No, I agree. And, okay, so that put the kibosh on the growing operation. Now you, you go on from there because you're right. You're a hustler and I, I was no different. I was a hustler too. You know, you stop with one, you still got used at the end of the day, you still got to eat. So, so what did you go into from there? Oh man. Um, buying storage units. I bought an 18 foot trailer and started buying storage units and selling them. And so is there money in that? Cause I was thinking about doing that at one point. There was, I mean, it's more difficult now. Mm -hmm. Um, it was fine, but um, I could have made a go of it, you know, doing different events. It was fun, but it wasn't something that I was, I would be doing these, you know, essentially flea markets or yard sale events. It wasn't anything I was super proud about um, when people asked me what I did. And I, I didn't want to do it long term. I, I ended up getting bored of that and starting up a, uh, a, um, a microgreens company. And, okay. um, and then I got bored of that. And um, discovered the apps like Discord and Telegram. And, and, then, and just, just to feed into life. that, I mean, you and I are definitely alike on that, that, that sense of boredom creeping in. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's, that's one of the big indicators of, um, of people like us is, you know, we get bored and by God, when we get bored, things happen. So, are you incredibly impulsive too? Oh, geez. Oh, it's, there's, I, I'm that guy that if, if something pops in my head, yeah, let's try it. That's not a bit. Let's see what happens. <laughs> I, I swear I have no, I have no, what is it? Frontal lobe? I, yeah. <laughs> I it doesn't exist with me. I don't know what happened. And you know, that's plagued me with a, uh, since I was a very young, a horrible sex addiction, which shoot, that's another topic for another day. Um, probably not in your podcast. But, um, <laughs> So I've, I've been battling this. Um, it's been in the background of my life. And um, 
and so it's just that this impulsivity has, man, it has just got me in trouble. And to this day, you know, I, I battle with that and I, I still don't know how to quite rein it in. Right. So, so maybe I podcast you can tell me how to do that maybe well i i wish i could tell you how to rein it in i really do um, i've suffered from from similar as that from that as well yeah you know the um so so you stop you stop with the, the growing operation you go into storage lockers you do that for a while mm-hmm. money's probably not as great as the as the growing no you're bored as well and i can understand how you would be bored with that mm-hmm. what do you branch off into from there i I, um, I start, I start growing again. Um, and now did your, did your, did your girlfriend was girlfriend or wife? My wife. And she said our compromise was I could have a little hobby in the closet and just to satiate my urge to grow. Um, I just really have a green thumb. I'm good at it. And it makes me feel good to do something that I'm good at. I've always told myself, you know, this is what you're best at. And so I gravitate towards that because it's money, you know? Right. And, um, of course. And you're good at it. <laughs> I, I was. And, and she tells me one plant and then she goes up there and it is just chaos. You know, I've got, I've got 30 or 40 and, um, she shut that down pretty quickly. Um, okay. and then I, I, I took, I, I had one, one harvest, man, I took the money from that and just threw it into a microgreens business so I could grow legally. Um, and uh, so I started up a microgreens business in my house. And um, that lasted a while, but the money wasn't great. That's a good um, supplemental income. Right. But again, when, when I through Twitter, somebody retweeted something and I discovered this resale group on Discord and it's very hard to get into, but I was able to get into it. And then from there, it just opened the door to this world I never knew existed. Okay, so so just for the audience, explain what a resale group is. Well, a resale group is, is a perfectly legal um, group that um, you, you typically pay a monthly fee to join and it's a community on uh, an app called discord. And um, it's a, a lot of young people, um, a lot of young people, but it's a group that comes together and you have usually a, an, an admin or an owner and, and the staff is just giving you the information on, okay, these are when tickets drop um, buy these, um, you know, they're going to drop on this date, buy these tickets. Um, there's going to be, you know, a resale value of X amount. This item is dropping at target, um, on this date. Um, and then you get into, you know, um, bot botting programs. So you right. can scoop up these items online before the consumer, um, is able to, um, but it's a way of buying, um, tangible and intangible items. Um, um, at a, you know, at a, at retail. So you, so you can resell them in the future. And it sounds like, so, so any type of hot Christmas item, any type of hot supply item you guys can buy and then profit by that. You are that, that asshole. Who's the reason why kids can't get, you know, half moles and um, (laughs) anything, man. I mean, anything of, anything of value, whether it's, you know, artwork or a lot, sneakers, clothing, concert tickets, um, so you're the guy, you're the guy. That's the reason I have to settle for specific colors of Nike air of two seventies. 
you're the guy that buys the color that I want that charges $250 instead of $150 for. That's a, <laughs> yeah. It's, and that, so we're, we're, we keep to ourselves. Um, you know, most people don't know what we do because it's very socially frowned upon. And, uh, but it's legal. It's legal. Um, and you can make some good money doing that. So, so, and that was going to be the question. How much money can you make doing that? If you, if you commit yourself full time to being one of these resellers of these, of these goods, hunting them down, getting in the bot programs, everything else, how much profit can you do? Can you make doing that? Oh gosh. It, you know, it varies month to month, but I'd mm -hmm. say if you had to average it out, I'd say, um, man, anywhere from 4,000 a month to 10,000. That's not bad. That's not bad. And I, and I got to tell you, I honestly, Jay, I don't have a problem with that. I don't. It's legal. More power to you. I mean, you're just, it's part of being a hustle. We're in, we're in a hustle society these days. No problem with that at all. <laughs> all right. Oh well, yeah. But let me, let me, let me just say that it, from what we talked about yesterday, it does sound like that was kind of the gateway that led into some other things. <laughs> it was, it's a total gateway and it's, and it's not intended to be a gateway. Right. It's a gateway if you want it to be, um, you know, because because if you look at like a Venn diagram, these legit resale groups intersect a lot in the middle with when you start getting into door, um, you know, DoorDash, um, refunding. Um, now, DoorDash. And, and again, uh, there'll be some of because we're on Anglerfish. If we were on Fraudcast, which we're going to record with you on Fraudcast, okay. the people who listen to Fraudcast know exactly what you're talking about when you say DoorDash. Yeah. The people who are listening to Angler really don't. So if you could explain what DoorDash is when you say that. Well, recently. What the scam is. Moved into Grubhub. But essentially it's, well, I mean, it's just one of many things people do. I mean, you if you want, usually it's a, sometimes it's a $50 minimum. But usually you can, whether DoorDash or Grubhub, pick out, you know, whatever food you want and just go through this particular person um, or group on discord and you're you pay i don't know 10 percent, 20 percent of it and they it gets delivered to your house no questions asked don't worry about how they made it happen just when the food gets to your house send them uh that money through you know cash app or bitcoin or paypal and um and you just got you know 80 percent discount that's and not bad they, they usually do that that's like you said, actually, I learned this from you, man. It's a lot of the times it's, it's carding and they're, they're, they're doing these small purchases to, to really test out the validity of these cards they're getting. Right. Oh, that, that's it. That's it. And you know, a lot of it, um, you know, with, with the Grubhub, DoorDash, things like that, the, the limits are so low, you know, you're, you're hitting, you know, 50, maybe at tops a hundred dollars per order. Yep. Mm -hmm. And it, it flies in under the radar of any type of, you know, fraud systems that are out there because it is so low. But um, I mean, it's extremely effective. And, you know, you take a guy that uh, some, some guy that's sitting either at the house or overseas someplace that's doing this and that's, that's his job. And, you know, he's profiting. So he charges you 20% on a $50 order. That doesn't sound like that much, but if he's doing that literally all day long. Yeah, man. And he, and he is, I mean, these, these guys, I mean, and there's just, there's some in particular, there's one guy called the God and, uh, and, um, it's all he does. I mean, when you need something, he responds right away and sure. he, he's just running things. And, um, you know, that felt really good to finally, um, go, um, even to, you know, tell my wife, Hey, let's, let's order out tonight. Hey, let's go, let's go to sky zone. 
Um, let's go to AMF and, sure. you know, and let's go out and do fun things. And you can do all these things and, you know, feel good about providing, uh, you know, food and entertainment for your family for cheap. And they don't know how you're doing it, but it, you're feeling like a provider. And, um, and so that, uh, you know, <laughs> Jay, I, t- I, I tell you, man, geez, I mean, I've, uh, I've been right there. Yeah. I mean, right there. And, and you're absolutely right. I mean, you're, you're able to provide something to your family that you're usually not able to do. Yeah. You don't have to really worry about the budget because it's coming in so damn cheap. Yes. And, and you know, you're, you're, you're taking everyone out having a fun time and you're the provider and yeah. that, I don't know if any of the listeners understand that, but I understand exactly what you're talking about there. Yeah. I really do. And that's, that's a strong, I don't know if the listeners understand, but that, that is, that's a really strong motivator. It, uh, it really, for somebody like me, that, that really causes a sense of fulfillment with me when I, when I'm able to do that for loved ones. Yeah. Yeah. You've really emphasized that. And, um, and I'm right there with you and, and, you know, uh, it's, it's not about whether it's right or wrong. That's almost irrelevant. It just right. feels good to be able to, you know, you, uh, you want to go shopping? No problem. Let me just zip on upstairs, swipe, sure. a, swipe a card through my MSR machine, you know, put a couple hundred bucks on it and let's go to the store and just go wild. Right. Um, and yeah, it feels, it feels good to do all these things. Um, so, and, and what we're talking about there is, is gift card fraud at this point. So it goes from the, uh, from the, from the resale, to the DoorDash, uh, Grubhub type thing that's going on, and then finally you get involved in the gift card fraud. Well, it, it, it's and, and Discord. It was these groups are like um, they're refund groups. You can buy you can buy gift cards um, on the Discord groups, and yeah. which is one thing. And then I got um, somebody randomly messaged me. Some lady um, down in Texas messaged me, and really sweet girl, and she was like, "Hey." Do you know about couponing? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, and she was just being altruistic. She didn't want anything from me. And so we ended up talking forever mm-hmm. about couponing. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She sends me and she says she's on a, you know, download Telegram. She's in a group. She'll invite me to it. And um, so she sends me all these screenshots, which look like uh target cartwheel apps. Anyways, so I get into, I, I start learning into this new, uh, getting into this new thing. And this is new and exciting. I'm thinking, what, you know, this, this is a game changer here. Right. Um, and so I download yeah. Telegram, join these groups. And then it was introduced. I mean, Telegram is like the wild west of Discord, man. It's like Discord still had, you had to be careful. You can't use certain words. Um, but just telegram is wide open. Yeah. It's wide open. Wild West. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So, and, and you know, the, the couponing I had, uh, when evolution marketplace, I don't know if you were involved with this stuff back then, but evolution marketplace was held 2013, something like that. When it was open is when I first met a guy by the name of, he went by the screen name golden Lotus and purple Lotus. And they sold these coupon packs for like, I don't know, a hundred bucks, but you got, you know, 30, 40 coupons in there. Everything from, um, you know, you go through Publix or Kroger and, and do all your grocery shopping and get, you know, four or $500 worth of grocery for 50 bucks. 
you, you had coupons like that. You had coupons that um, would allow you to go to Toys R Us and pick up whatever the gaming system was for, you know, $25 to give you two seventy five yeah. off. Um, you had all these coupons like that. And um, it was extremely profitable. Yeah. There were hundreds of members that were in his group. We didn't have Telegram and Discord then, but he had a sub forum that wow. was dedicated just to couponing. And, um, you know, he, he made a lot of profit. Of course, he got caught. Um, after a while, it, it the stores really didn't understand initially what was going on. They were just being hit with these counterfeit coupons. And back then it, it was all paper, but uh, it took him a while. And of course, Golden Lotus gets, I think he ended up with two or three years in federal prison was what he got, but he profited, you know, a couple million dollars by that. Um, That's a it, good trick off. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, the couponing is still alive and well. So <laughs> It's what, bigger than it's ever been. Yeah. What type of, uh, so you, you mentioned Target. So what type of coupons were you running? I mean, what, what type of products were you getting and, and things like that? Oh man, Target. <laughs> Target. Yeah. They're the, they're the, they're the biggest hit by far. I mean, CVS, Rite Aid, Walgreens, they all get hit. Walmart, they get hit, but nobody gets hit like Target. Um, they're just, just so, so, so easy. Um, Cause there's so many different avenues sure. in one trip. You can hit them in five different ways, but um, uh, so one of the ways um, people would hit target would be through screenshots that um, it would be, it would look like a, um, a cartwheel coupon cartwheel app. And okay. um, so the employee, you know, this is when you really get into social engineering, this is, and, and if you're a social engineer and you're, you're you're good at that it be now it's getting really fun because you're sure. going out there and you're you're um first of all you're finding the youngest most naive looking cashier um preferably somebody that's in training um who's just going to scan away at your phone um and you'll you uh get a screenshot on your phone and um when they scan it it'll take off ten dollars on your order or give you a, so say you buy, you, you have to buy maybe two items for a dollar, like two, um, two bottles of soft soap. They go for a dollar each, Okay. but it's a $10 off coupon. So now you have $8 in overage and that overage carries on to the rest of your transaction. Okay. Gotcha. So what you would do is, okay, but you can't leave target with any overage, you can't leave in the positive because that's kind of sketchy. And um, it's not like they're going to give you cash out of the register like Walmart will. So what you do, you would go get something like a Lego set. Okay. Something expensive. Sure. And you have them bring that up and say, can I get a gift receipt for that? All right, no problem. So they get a gift receipt for that. And now you've got all these soft soaps or whatever you're getting and they're scanning the coupons and essentially taking $8 off the total of that Lego set and tell right. your order, maybe you want to have it come out to something like $50. So it looks reasonable. Mm -hmm. Well, then the next day you just take that, take that. Um, so now you've got a, uh, a $300 Lego set for $50. Okay. The gift receipt, you take that to customer service the next day. Cause you have to wait a day. You take that the next day and you return it. And they're going to give you a gift card for $300. Of course. Of course. You can then you can it. either use the gift card or sell it. Yeah, and it's Target. So it's, right. a, it's a, I mean, a, a Target gift card, you're almost getting, I mean, you're getting at least 80% value. Absolutely, value. absolutely. 
And so yeah, you can do a that all day long, all day long. I don't want to really go into the coupon stuff because we're, we're going to do the, the fraudcast episode about coupon fraud and a lot of these frauds that are going on. Um, what I would like to talk about is, did you, do you, did you feel any guilt coming in and defrauding Target, CVS, Walgreens, Walmart, anything like that? Oh, any, any guilt? Oh, man. I mean, guilt for defrauding Target? No. Because I got to tell you, I, I didn't. No, I, I – um, my my own personal rule was um you can hit these hit these big stores as hard as you want but just um my 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 ethical line was don't scam people don't, mm-hmm. don't take advantage of people and uh or small businesses and which a lot of people kind of follow that rule right. um or say they do but i realize that that's you <laughs> That 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 line of reasoning or rationale breaks down very quickly. It does. It um, does. And I'm 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 not going to hammer you with that because you're aware that it breaks down quickly. What? <laughs> I mean, I don't want that to devolve into an argument of <laughs> of how it breaks down. No, no, no. I don't. I. It, it wouldn't even be an argument. It would be. Uh, I mean, I I agree. Any essentially anything you do outside the law really breaks down individually. But you just kind of you kind of just don't care because. Um, other things take precedence. Right. Right. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, I didn't, I did not feel any guilt for hitting them. Okay. Um, whatsoever. Okay. But I didn't um, know if that makes sense. So, so from yesterday we were talking, you're no longer doing the coupon stuff, right? Uh, yeah. I'm no longer doing anything. Right. So you're, you're completely legal and evidently what you had mentioned this yesterday and this, this brings it into our, our Twitter discussion. <laughs> <laughs> you had you had mentioned that you made a lot of money off of the coronavirus. So so tell me how you did this. Yeah, the coronavirus. Oh, man, when that thing this was about two months ago. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if you remember, but it started with the masks. Yes. And um boy, that's what that 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 was um that was interesting. That was that was an interesting time. Um Man, those. I mean, when 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 people started freaking out, and I, there became a market for masks, which was essentially started out all overseas. Um, right. You could you could go into any hardware store, Lowe's, Home Depot, paint stores, um, and get a box of 3M masks, 8511s or 8210s for, for 20 bucks, and you could right then and there sell it for 60 which is great and then it went up to 100 and then it went up to 150 and now people are paying 150 dollars a box that you're paying 24 which is insane and it just became this all-consuming obsession to run out there grab as many boxes as you could because as soon as you listed them they would sell right and um i did that um and i I, I was told that they don't do anything to protect you. It's just people's fear. And so I, and I, I rationalized it that way. And the other way I rationalized it was I'm actually doing a service to people overseas because they could otherwise not get these. Granted, I'm making a profit, but at least I'm getting these into areas where people really need them. Except they don't do any good. Well, if, if they feel like it does, then, right, then, right. then that's on them. But um I'm not saying this is logical, Brett. 
<laughs> no, I, and hey, I'm not, I understand, I'm not hammering you on it because it's legal. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it may not be moral, but by God, it's legal. <laughs> well, well, I didn't care about the morality. I was happy that I'm, I didn't, I, I had a $4,000 dental bill and I was happy that I was getting that paid off. That right. trumped everything to me is, is, uh, is, is being able to not stress about money. And, um, and so it's coming in quick. I ended up renting vehicles, booking hotels, and then just hitting up the East Coast, um, moving these things. And um, yeah, I mean. So, so it was, was it, was it, and I'm guessing it's not just exclusively masks. What else were you, were you buying and reselling as far as Corona goes? So as soon as, so the, the masks were wide open for, it felt like four or six weeks before eBay and Amazon simultaneously shut that down. Yeah. They said, okay, if you can't, you can't sell them on, on our platforms anymore. So it, it just essentially shut down. Well, that same day that, that the masks shut down, I was so relieved because I'm running on two hours of sleep here. And I was in, I think, Alexandria at a hotel, at a Marriott, ready to just relax and do some bookkeeping and count, count my money. Right. And I was exhausted. And then I get a text from a guy and says, um, look into sanitizer. Um, that it's selling out. It's starting to sell out. So literally that day I look and see sanitizer is just the new mask. <laughs> and I just, and I just dropped out there, man. It, it became, it started crossing my own line of where it, you're not, you're not selling to people's fears anymore, which is really not a great thing to do anyways. But now you're, this is, uh, these are products that could potentially help people. Right. Um, that they need for their own safety. And it just crossed my line. So I bowed out. Um, a lot of my, you know, a lot of my friends um, went all in on it still, you know, um, and um, were able to move a lot of that, like, th like that one guy. Yeah, um, uh, Matt Colvin, he was in the New York Times about that. Matt Colvin. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's, he's, he's yeah, he's interesting. But um. So I dropped out at that point. It okay. became it went into sanitizer and then toilet paper, and now it's uh, that just was was a little that that was crossing my ethical line. No, I, I appreciate that. You know, the uh, I'll tell you the saddest story that I've heard um, because first of all, I mean, this is all driven by FUD, fear, uncertainty, doubt is what it's driven by. You know, that's why people are hoarding stuff in the grocery stores. And I've, I've said it on a couple of podcasts. You know, you've got the initial people that are acting out over fear, they go out and start buying all this stuff. So it causes, you know, toilet paper, milk, all this other stuff. They buy that. It causes more rational people where, which I, I try to consider myself part of that group mm -hmm. causes more rational people to see this stuff running low. So all of a sudden we have to go out and buy toilet paper, which then justifies the first group that was acting out of fear. They, they sit there and say, see, we told you we were going to run out of that. Exactly. And you know, it's it, for, for people reselling that kind of stuff. I mean, as long as it's fear-based, I, I don't, yeah, I think it's taking advantage of people, but it's people that are acting out of fear and not being rational about things. Um, so I don't, I don't, I gotta be honest. I don't have a, I hammered Matt Colvin. I did, but I, it, it, it's legal and I don't have a huge issue with hammering with, with, selling things at a, at a higher price when someone is just failing to educate themselves and acting strictly out of fear. 
I don't, I don't see a lot wrong with that. I think that people have a responsibility to verify, to educate themselves, to, to not act out of fear. Mm. So, um, you know, when you're talking about reselling the mask and things like that, I think that people who were buying masks that they need to buy God use Google and see if those things work. Right. Um, so I, I can't, I, I can't, um, I can't really hammer people like that. And, you know, I did hammer Matt because the initial knee jerk reaction was that thing of, you know, by God, dude, what the hell are you doing? We're in it. We're in a time of stress. People are, you know, we are having people dying, but, uh, I think the, the saddest story that I've heard, and it happened here in Alabama, there was, uh, you know, the run on toilet paper guys over at uh, Publix and he's senior citizen. I mean, he's this old guy and he's just, he's standing there just fucking crying. Yeah. And a uh, lady, uh, they ask him what the problem is. And he's like, look, he said, I just need a four pack of toilet paper just to get me through. And uh, the guy's standing there crying and a woman hears him say that and says, you know what? I've got toilet paper out in my car. Come on out to the car. And um, I mean, hell, even right now, just, just thinking about that, that affects me. I mean, that's, um, you know, you get people that are acting out of fear and, and I'm all for, you know, if you're acting out of fear by God, if you fail to educate yourself, you, you get what you deserve, but you've got these people that aren't acting out of fear that are affected because of the other ones. Yeah. And, um, that's the people I feel sorry for right there. It really is. Yeah. You saying that, you know, you see so many stories of people, um, coming through and showing kindness in these times or even in, uh, you know, Spain, I, there was a video of a guy playing a piano on his balcony and, you know, and it's so ironic that during this time of social isolation and self quarantining, who would have thought we'd actually, you know, draw closer to each other. It's a, yeah. a beautiful paradox. Um, and I see kindness like that. And it's in direct contrast to what I was doing, which is uh, trying to make money off of it. And um, yeah, it's, it's not, you don't feel good about yourself. Um, you, you, you're, selling a, you're, you're selling your soul, um, you know, by, by reselling these things or hoarding them when, um, you know, there's another part in you that just knows that what you ought to do and, and, and the person that um, if you were your best self, um, man, you'd be out there just sacrificing and helping. Um, and instead, you're just trying to take and um, accumulate, you know, more money. And um, that's something I'm kind of having to uh, wrestle with as of lately. I've seen Trump ask um, contracting companies to donate any, any masks they have to hospitals. I just think, you know, if I could do it over again, I, what would it have been like if I just went crazy trying to gather this stuff up to donate it to hospitals or, sure. um, and it's, it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a, like a, like a, not a gut check, but, uh, I don't know. I, it's something I think I'm going to have to, um, come to terms with over time. Well, you know, but what the I thing is, do, and that, that's one of the reasons that I, I, I was so adamant about wanting to, uh, to get you on the show is that you realize that. I mean, think of the people who don't realize that. And I mean, you're right. I mean, we're going through the, the interesting thing about this whole coronavirus right now is that it is bringing people together. I mean, we are going to, um, and I would have never thought it would happen, but we, it looks like we're going to be a stronger, more caring country after this thing is done. 
I mean, yeah. it, we started out as a country that uh, when, when this hit, we were a country that was divided, mm -hmm. that cared, everyone cared about themselves. It's all about me was what it was. And we're seeing a, a huge transition right now of, you know, it's not, it's not, we're, we're in this together. We're not that country that can't be touched. We're not that invincible country. Yeah. And if we're going to survive, we have to band together and help each other. And I'm seeing that. I'm seeing that with the good guys, with the bad guys. Yeah, we're, we're still seeing a lot of crime and stuff like that. But you know what? I'm seeing a lot of these guys that are like, you know, I got right now, this is off limits. This, right. this shit's serious. Yeah. And um, it makes me feel good. I mean, it, it, it brings me, uh, I'm, I'm typically, I think I'm an optimistic guy. But it, it really causes a sense of optimism about where we're heading as a society and as a country. I mean, I posted yesterday about Donald Trump, and I'm not, I'm not a Trump fan. I'm not a Democrat fan. Yeah. I got, I'll tell you what, the dude right now, like him or not, he's doing exactly what needs to be done. I wouldn't have anybody else doing it but him right now. Nice. You just lost half of your listeners. Sure, I did. <laughs> but you know what? I'm not going to lie about it. <laughs> uh, great. Yeah, there's a whole lot of them say, oh, my God, he supports Trump. Well, no, I don't support him. But you know what? He's doing exactly what needs to be done right now. Yes, it took him a while. Yes, he came out there like a friggin' idiot to begin with and said, oh, it's just this. It, we don't have to worry about it. But uh, when I'm shit hit the fan. People. <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm hearing that from a lot of people. You're, you're not alone there. I mean, yeah. You know what it did when shit hit the fan? I mean, the past few days, he has done things that are absolutely amazing. And more, I, I, I got to give him credit on that. Got to yeah. give him credit. Yeah. So uh, no, no politics involved with that. I just, I, I appreciate that, you know, leaders at the state, the federal level, the local level, they're doing exactly what needs to be done right now. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's quite inspiring. You see, uh, you know, Cuomo on TV, he's been doing uh, conferences every morning. It seems yeah. like to hear him, uh, you know, give, uh, give Trump praise. And you see that, uh, this, this is, this is bigger than uh, just petty, you know, partisan politics. It's, you know, it's, it's, I love seeing it. It, 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 you know, you almost get emotional at times. And, and then part of me feels guilty that I'm like, hmm, I'm not perpetuating any of that. I'm just out for myself here. And, and so it's, it's this, uh, it's kind of bittersweet for me right now, but um, sure you know, life is a journey and, and, and we, uh, you know, hopefully we're constantly changing and growing. And, but you see what you're talking about right now, you are growing right? I mean, you are, you, you realize that you, you've got guilt, which is a huge motivator. Let's be honest. It is. It's a huge motivator. You, you know, that, that there's more than what you've been doing. You're not, uh, you, you know, you need money and I understand that. Um, so my question, I guess, is what next for Jay? I mean, the, the money that you made from the coronavirus and things like that, that's not going to last forever. So what next for Jay? Well, I, I came on here to ask you that. What, what should I do next? Well, I, th I think I, I mean, you've got some knowledge on uh, some of the schemes and things that, that go on there. I think that we could, uh, you, you've talked about Target a bit. I think we could get you in front of uh, some people at Target talking about some of this stuff. I think that... Um, and we could do that, but I was, I was kind of thinking about taking all, all my money and just blowing it on the stock market. Now I can really get my drive back. Well, what uh, Boeing's down forty percent right now. Yeah, I, I'm I'm the idiot that I think I'm down a couple bucks on my Boeing shares. It's, it's that not Boeing will come back, here, but it it will. That's yeah, yeah. You know, I think the question is is how much farther the the market's going to fall, and and 
it's what down over 30 right now. So 50% total, maybe a little bit more. But, yeah. It's, you know, it's it, up today, but yeah. And it could come back. I mean, I'm not could, it will come back. There's, I don't think there's sure. any doubt about that. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah. Uh, Me and you, we're, we're both optimists. I mean, it could be raining fire and we'll be like, yeah, it'll be okay. You know? Yeah. And I've been told that recently by, by several friends, you know, you, you're always upbeat. You always say everything's going to be all right. And I'm like, yeah, everything's going to be okay. This shit will pass. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it will well. be okay. And, and you know, I, I believe that um, not only are we going to be um, more, more united and at least temporarily um, for a while and, and closer to our loved ones, but I think the economy is going to come back stronger than before. Um, I agree. I agree. I mean, I, I firmly believe that. And I, I think that I was talking to a, a friend of mine today and I was like, you know, I, I just did an episode on this cancel culture stuff. And I really believe that, that this, that we're going through right now is going to help kill that, that we're going to have people that, that are understanding that we're all in this together. Yeah. Someone may screw up every now and then say something or do something you don't like, but you don't get rid of them for that. You, you try to take them in under your wing and, learn from each other and, and yeah. grow together. And I, I really do believe, I mean, it's that kumbaya moment, but I really do believe that we as a society are on the cusp of achieving that right now because of this, this thing that we're going through. I, I hope man, you know, and watching, uh, watching the public's reaction to, uh, what, what was the guy's name with the sanitizer? Uh, Colvin, Colvin, Col Matt Colvin, what? Matt and Noah Colvin was, were their names. Matt and Noah Colvin watching them react uh, so viciously to Matt Colvin and just, he, he's done. I mean, he's ruined, man. I mean, I, I, I would rather be anybody else but him right now. And, um, yeah, and, and I was, I'll be honest with you. I was, I was wrong to really hammer that like that because I'm, I, I don't want to feed into, you know, basically canceling somebody. I mean, he was, he was doing something legal and he was trying to support his family. Now he, he was doing it at, you know, through fear feeding on that and everything else. And he helped, helped feed into that. But I don't think that that's reason to, to just cancel somebody out and, and completely destroy them. I think that you, you have a discussion and talk about it. You know, what was, what was the mindset? You know, we've talked about that today. You, you broke some laws. We, we've talked about it without hammering. Right. You know, you've done wrong. You're wanting to change. I think that uh, for, for your path, I think honestly, cause I went through the same thing. I think that you'll, you'll continue to, to dive back into because recovery is never a straight path. Mm -hmm. I think that you'll continue to dive back into some illegal activity, but hopefully you'll continue to move forward out of that. And I would really like to see you get completely out of that. And I think that uh, from what I've talked to you today, I think that the mindset's there. I really do. I just think that you need the opportunity to achieve that. No, oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're probably uh you're, you're, you're pretty spot on there. If I had to predict the future. Yeah. I, I, um, you know, I think with, as far as we were talking about the cancel culture and, um, the way that he was treated, I do think that what he did was incredibly selfish, sure. um, but I think what I love, what I love to see, um, or what I would love to see is for people to maybe, um, have a little, have a little nuance, um, and, and depth to the way that they approach people and to allow people to, uh, to redeem themselves. I mean, there's nothing, uh, there's nothing more beautiful than, than, than 
and seeing redemption in somebody. I mean, you're living it out right now. I am. I am. And I could have easily been a, a victim of that entire cancel culture easily. Yeah. And I, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and I just think we need to give people a chance to redeem themselves and to be, um, you know, who, uh, you know, the best versions of themselves or who they maybe even truly, you know, deep down want to be and finding themselves not being that. And, and I think we need to give each other space and encouragement there. It's so it's just weird line because you don't want to just let shit fly. You want to call people out, but at the same time, you, you want to give them a, a way back. Sure. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and I, um, and I, I just, I just would like to see maybe more of that and less of the calling out. And I, I'm, I'm hoping that, that we achieve that. I really am. Um, Jay, I want to thank you for coming on. And, I, and I'm going to say that I want you to come back on Anglerfish. We're going to do a broadcast, but I want you to come back on Anglerfish and broadcast because I think that, um, I think you're outstanding. I really do. I think you're an amazing person. I think you're on the right path. I think that you've got some, 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 uh, a hard path in front of you, but I think you're on the right path. Um, I've got a lot of hope for you. And I think that listeners on both the broadcast and Anglerfish can learn a lot from you. So um, I hope you agree to come back on. Um, other than that, I, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh man, it was, uh, this was a lot of fun. This was great. And can you just do me a favor and tell, um, Carice to just take it easy on me <laughs> before we go any further? I will tell her, uh, for, for the listeners out there, we're actually going to record the, the broadcast in about, uh, about three hours, three, three, four hours, uh, something like that. We're recording at 3 PM Eastern. So two hours. Um, and I'm, I'm having a call with her as soon as I get off this recording here to say, Hey, the guy's yeah. the guy, he's a good guy. He's screwed up some, but he's a good guy. He, he's got his head on his shoulders. He's going through that path that I went through. I know what that's like. Yeah. So uh, I don't think that, uh, I don't think she's going to hammer you at all. I think that there'll be some hard questions, but it'll be okay. Cool. All right. And Jay, thank you again. Yeah, it was a blast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Anglerfish Podcast. I appreciate it. If you like it, please subscribe and drop me a line saying hello. Hello is always good. You can reach me direct at brettjohnson at anglerfish.com. That's brett, B-R-E-T-T, Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N, at anglerfish, A-N-G-L-E-R-P-H-I-S-H dot com. Other than saying hello, feel free to email questions, comments, concerns, or even show suggestions. I respond to every single email I get. And please, tell your friends about us. Rate and review Anglerfish wherever you can. As Anglerfish continues to navigate the dark waters of our online lives, remember, stay safe, stay secure, and stay vigilant.